0: And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance.
2: I was out in the mountains of Pennsylvania in the Poconos. This happened multiple times. I would be in the woods and would hear knocking sounds on the trees around us at night. I would brush it off as just wind, but then the sounds would get louder and closer, and then they started surrounding us in a circle. It was like the way that a loading icon is and goes in a circle. We would just shut up and throw more wood on the fire. Then we heard screaming from the woods surrounding us not yelping, but in some kind of language. It was absolutely insane. It sounded like people dying. It wasn't coyotes. I've heard them one thousands of times. This was human. While the screaming and knocking kept going in circles, we would huddle near each other at the fire, looking at each other like, what the F, and it would stop after about 20 minutes. When we were in our tents, sometimes we would hear it again and hide under the blankets. Sometimes would even hear footsteps. This was in an area that had a lot of Native American violence, so maybe that could be why. Just grasping at straws here, because there was no way we could explain it. Whenever we went to the same area, it would happen. Edit for everyone wondering if I'm alive lol, yes I am. We ended up staying at my friend's cabin more like a shed to be honest. And I really only stayed one night and day because two people my friends had to leave and I didn't want to be alone with the last person there whom I didn't know all that well. They were. Kinda odd to say the least, and I didn't feel right without cell service or my own car in the middle of nowhere with a stranger. Nothing out of the ordinary there, though. Just a campfire, some beers, grilled some food, etc. This was in a different area than the above happened. Maybe that's why. But if I ever go back to the last place, I will make a new post. No weird sounds that I could hear, even while venturing into the woods looking for them. But maybe someday I'll hear them again. Thanks for all the replies asking if I'm alive though, ha ha. I feel kind of bad how anticlimactic this was too. I really wanted to catch a recording or something, but it was just a normal camp out this time. This evening, I'm going to be telling you about a sighting that I had back in July while working the night shift. It was just me and my partner that night. We were going around the highway right around 11 p.m. But as it turns out, our second call came in the day right around 10.40 p.m. In Ohio State Highway Patrol jurisdiction, there are no set speed limits on any roads except the Turnpike and a few other select highways. So when we get calls to investigate speeders, We have to find probable causes that somebody is going above the posted speed limit. Now it was about 10.45, and I see a car passing from behind at seemingly high speeds. I didn't think much of it at first, but when I noticed the brake lights turning on and off at first, I thought somebody was just messing around. But then it became apparent this guy was trying to warn me. I turned on my lights and siren and immediately got behind this person. We were driving into a heavily forested area, so there were no lights. And it wasn't until I turned my spotlight on that I was able to see what he was trying to warn me about. There was a humanoid figure standing in the middle of the road. It appeared to be wearing all white like robes, and it did not move at all, just standing still in the road. The reason I knew this person had to have seen this thing is that he too pulled over right into the closest shoulder. As soon as he approached this thing, I get out of my car and shine my light onto this person, and it immediately sprints off into the trees like some sort of wild animal, yet completely unhuman. Despite how quickly it moved, it made no noise running or running through the brush. My partner comes up behind me, asking if I saw what he saw, and I responded with, Yeah, I did, in a very uneasy tone. Despite being unable to explain what it was that I just saw, All I can think about was getting back in our car and driving away. The other officer asked me if I wanted him to go in after it, so we could at least figure out what kind of animal it might have been. But the fact that this thing wasn't making any noise while running kind of gave me the feeling that whatever was running through those woods knew exactly where it was going, which led me to believe that chasing after it would likely be trying to catch a ghost. We didn't see anything else throughout our shift, besides some drunk drivers and people purposely not wearing their seatbelts. All in all, another uneventful night besides this. Me and a buddy were doing some backcountry hiking in the Great Basin in an area where all sorts of weird shit was prone to happening. There was some restricted military base in the general area lots of military testing and maneuvers, and lots of crazy ass weirdos that came through that area. We crested a tall hill and were looking out over a valley when we saw two other guys on a hill across from us. I took a look at them through my binocs and they looked pretty normal. One had a rifle, but that didn't concern me because lots of people would skeet shoot and such up in that region. I decided to give them a holler and wave just to let them know we were in the area just in case they were shooting. Well they noticed us and the guy with the rifle raised it and pointed it in our direction. I tried to dismiss it as him using his scope to be able to see us as we were pretty far away. We resume hiking and next thing I know I hear shots landing on the hill we're on. Not terribly close, but eh. We hoof it down that hill and up another one and I break out the binocs again. Well, those two guys had now made it across to the hill we were on before and were skulking around the brush. F that. I decided we needed to get back to camp, but that we couldn't make a beeline because it would take us across the valley and we would be spotted in a second. I saw that there was an old, dry washout that was the perfect depth to conceal us. We snuck our way down into it, and it was literally like being in a trench surrounded by sheer dirt walls. We followed it around and out to safety, but it was pretty harrowing being in there because you couldn't see too much above, and so we had no clue where those guys were. My buddy told me a story over ice fishing this past weekend. So, my boss has tons of private property in northern Michigan, and he offered to let me hunt there this year. So I took him up on the offer quickly as i put up with Central Michigan public land for years. Anyways, come September I got out there and put three hang-on tree stands with screw and steps. Yeah, yeah, I know, not legal. But that's the only thing I'm comfortable climbing, and I take them out after I leave. In various locations. Keep in mind, this is private. Nobody else is supposed to be hunting within miles of me. Fast forward to late October and I manage to get out there after a very busy work schedule roofing sucks, go to school kids for a weekend. So Friday, I take my bait out to one of my stands, the closest one to the cabin. I get there and notice there isn't much deer sign, so I decide to lug my bag out three miles down until the swamp where I find my next stand with heavy sign. So I spread my pile out. I put my steps in so I can climb it in the morning and begin to head back. The third stand, the furthest one out, was only a mile away from the one I was at situated on the side of a fairly large hill. I get within a quarter mile of it on my GPS when suddenly I begin to pick up on a bad feeling, like my body was telling me something was up. Normally I know better than Ty go against this, but this is as remote as you can get from Michigan, so I carried on. The closer I got, the worse the feeling got. I got within 50 yards when I just froze. Something was wrong. The tree my stand was in was empty. There was no stand. But just to my right in front, about 30 feet from the tree, was my stand mangled and broken. I ran over to it and started investigating. In front of the stand, five feet away on the ground, was a massive and fresh impact mark on the ground where it had hit, then bounced against a tree. Hard enough to leave a mark, again fresh, on the tree and cleanly snapped the seed off. I then turned to me tree. I looked for marks and found none. Just the old marks from where I screwed my steps in a month and a half ago when I set it up. No footprints, nothing around the tree. Someone or something. Unstrapped my stand and threw it from 25 feet up the tree and traveled through the air, the same distance to the ground. This stand was not light either, easily 60 pounds. I knew I needed to get out of there quick, so I booked it straight to the cabin. Stupid me went out to hunt the next morning in the stand with bait. I hunted from sunup to sundown, not seeing a damn thing. So around dark, I started to pack up. Where I was facing, I could see the hill where I had the other stand, and just as I was about to get down, I could see a light. Then two, then four or five lights, They were moving erratically around the general area of the stand. It was so silent I could barely hear some faint voices. I noped out of there silently and in the dark. The next day I was done. I had decided to pick up my remaining stands and leave. I went to the stand I hunted in the next day when I seen the stand hanging in the tree next to the one I was in off a branch. I didn't investigate. I turned around and ran back to the truck. I was done nope that was that called my boss and told him what was up his theory was meth heads or marijuana growers as for me i have no clue anyway today in the car on the way to the store i was looking at the sky it was about seven or eight at night and i saw this strange thing in the sky it had huge wings like a bat it was like a dark brown color There were no feathers at all. The body was black, with short or no hair. It had a very slim body and a small tail. The thing about this bat creature was its size. It was bigger than a hawk. And in my town, we always see hawks, so I'm used to seeing them. I'm also used to seeing bats. This creature flapped its wings slowly, but the bats here usually flap their wings fast. That's the strange part for me. I could have sworn it was pterodactyl. No one believes me. I just need to know what the hell I saw. Please help. It was a quiet night in suburban Maryland, and I was settling in for a relaxing evening at home after a long day at work. As I lounged on the couch, flipping through channels, I suddenly heard the sound of glass shattering in the kitchen. My heart raced as I realized someone was breaking into my home. Before I could react, I felt a sharp pain in my neck and my vision blurred. I struggled to stay conscious, but my body betrayed me, and I slipped into darkness. When I awoke, I found myself lying on a cold, metallic surface in a dimly lit room. Panic surged through me as I realized I wasn't in my home anymore. I struggled to sit up, my head spinning, and that's when I saw him Navy Seal Tom. Tom was a tall, imposing figure with a chiseled jaw and piercing blue eyes. He was bound to a similar metallic surface, and despite his restraints, he appeared calm and collected. As our eyes met, he spoke in a hushed tone, Hey, stay calm. We've been abducted, but I have a plan to get us out of here. I tried to process his words as I looked around the room seeing other terrified people restrained just like us the thought of being abducted by aliens was horrifying but tom's presence and his confidence gave me a glimmer of hope as we whispered to each other tom explained that he had been tracking these extraterrestrial beings for some time they had been abducting humans for unknown reasons and he had finally managed to get close enough to be taken with the hope of gathering intel and possibly putting an end to their nefarious activities Tom revealed that he had a small, concealed blade hidden in his boot. With immense effort, he managed to free one of his hands and retrieve the blade. He swiftly cut through his restraints and moved to free me and the others in the room. As we worked together to free the remaining captives, Tom instructed us to stay low and quiet, ready to follow his lead. He stealthily opened the door to the room and peered down the dimly lit corridor. The walls were lined with strange, glowing symbols that seemed to pulsate with a life of their own. We followed Tom through the alien ship, our hearts pounding in our chests. The vessel was a labyrinth of twisting corridors and eerie chambers, but Tom navigated it with incredible skill. Eventually, we reached what appeared to be the ship's control room. Tom wasted no time in scanning the alien technology, quickly deciphering their language and controls. He discovered that the ship was programmed to return to Earth, and he set it on an immediate course back to our planet. As the ship hummed to life, Tom led us to the escape pods, explaining that it was too risky to remain on the vessel during re-entry. We all climbed into the pods, our hearts racing, and braced ourselves for the wild ride back to Earth. The escape pods jettisoned from the alien ship, hurtling through the atmosphere at breakneck speed. As we touched down, we were greeted by a team of military personnel who had been tracking the alien ship. They helped us from the pods and we were quickly whisked away to a secure location for debriefing. I couldn't believe what had just happened. The nightmare of being abducted by aliens was over and I owed my life to Navy Seal Tom. He had risked everything to infiltrate the alien ship and save us and I knew I would be forever grateful. In the aftermath, Tom continued his work, hunting down any remaining extraterrestrial threats. As for me, I returned to my quiet suburban life, forever changed by the experience. The sweltering heat of the Mexican desert bore down upon us as our special forces unit moved stealthily through the arid landscape. We were hunters stalking the most dangerous prey imaginable cartel leaders. This was the heart of Mexico, a place where shadows concealed secrets darker than the night. I had been part of this elite team for years, seasoned by countless operations against the relentless drug lords who terrorized this country. Our latest target, Joaquin El Chapo Guzman, the elusive kingpin who had managed to evade capture for so long. The cartel's reach was vast, its influence undeniable, but we were unrelenting in our pursuit. Our coalition consisted of Mexican special forces and the U.S. D. United by a common goal, to dismantle the cartel's empire and bring El Chapo to justice. We had chased leads, tracked down informants, and followed every thread of intelligence that promised to lead us closer to our quarry. The desert stretched endlessly before us as we closed in on one of El Chapo's rumored hideouts. The intel was sketchy, as always, but this was our best lead yet. We moved with utmost caution, every step calculated to avoid tipping off our prey. As we approached the location, my heart pounded with a mix of anticipation and dread. The stories about El Chapo's ruthlessness were notorious, but I knew we couldn't afford to falter. Lives depended on our success, and the weight of that responsibility hung heavy on my shoulders. Our unit moved in, each member like a well-oiled machine, silent and precise. But as we entered the hideout, something caught my eye, something inexplicable amidst the chaos of the drug trade. In the dim light, I saw it an entity so bizarre, it defied all rational explanation. The creature stood on two legs, much like a man, but its appearance was far from human. It was covered in coarse, jet-black fur, which seemed out of place for the time of year. Its eyes were wide and glowing, pulsating with an eerie white light. My gaze was drawn to its long arms, not quite as extended as an ape's, but hanging close to its chest. Its hands had only three fingers, resembling claw like appendages more than anything else. I tried to contain my shock and whispered a warning to my comrades. But as soon as the creature sensed our presence, it moved with an unnatural swiftness, darting into the shadows of the hideout. Panic rippled through our ranks as we fumbled to locate the intruder, our training momentarily forgotten. When I finally managed to tell my colleagues about the creature, they scoffed and exchanged incredulous glances. They accused me of being high or sleep-deprived, dismissing my account as the product of a stressed mind. The mission took precedence, and they insisted that we focus on our primary objective, capturing El Chapo. Though I pushed aside the bizarre encounter for the time being, I couldn't help but feel a nagging unease. It wasn't until later, when I had a moment to reflect, that I realized how eerily real the creature had been. The memory of its pulsating white eyes haunted my thoughts, like a phantom lurking in the corners of my mind. Our pursuit of El Chapo continued relentlessly, culminating in a dramatic operation that led to his capture. The victory was bittersweet, For the shadows of Mexico held more mysteries than we could comprehend. Years later, as I recounted my story to those who had never ventured into the depths of the cartel's world, they too dismissed it as a figment of my imagination. But I knew the truth that in the heart of darkness, where reality and myth converged, our mission had brought us face to face with the inexplicable, a creature that defied the boundaries of reason and existence. I didn't personally hear the noise. It was my father who shared this story with me upon returning from an early morning hunting trip. He admitted that he couldn't identify the source of the sound, leaving open the possibility that it could have been a Bigfoot. However, he chose not to report it, considering it too absurd. Based on his account though, I am inclined to believe that it was indeed a Sasquatch. The incident occurred during the early hours of the morning, before the sun had even risen. Positioned on a ridge, my father patiently awaited the first light of day, hoping to spot any deer in the vicinity. As the sun gradually made its appearance, the chorus of birdsong filled the air. But as soon as the sun crested over the eastern mountain, a distinct sound reached his ears. Instantly, the avian symphony fell silent, as if abruptly muted. In that hushed moment, my father discerned the unmistakable sound of an animal crashing through the creek below. A peculiar sensation washed over him, causing the hairs on the back of his neck to stand on end. Instinctively, he felt a strange foreboding and promptly decided to leave the area. In recounting the noise, my father likened it to the echoing reverberation of metal meeting metal within a vast chamber. The sound seemed to originate from a considerable distance, possibly from the next mountain over, although he couldn't determine the precise direction. While I wasn't personally present to witness these events, the sincerity in my father's voice and the eerie details he shared leave little doubt in my mind that something truly extraordinary occurred that morning, a fleeting encounter with the mysterious Sasquatch. I'm in the Marine Corps, not spooky in a supernatural way, but in a I can't believe they're just going to let this slide way. One of the guys in my old unit was a quiet, keep-to-himself kind of guy. Nice person, but of course he got messed with. After a while, he had enough of it and explained to one of my friends that he had a stabbing list, and you're the first one on it. He reports the incident. They file paperwork to process him out of the Marine Corps. After 6 months they just let it go. So there's a guy still on active duty with a clear mental issue, and I'm just kinda waiting to see him snap. Edit. I've never personally f with any of my marines from the time I joined until now as I said, this was a friend doing this. I remember what it was like having some asshole mess with me when I was a boot just for that reason. I pride myself on treating everyone I came in contact with with respect. I've seen how people think by picking up rank, they're no longer required to work and automatically think they're special. I've made it a point to work side by side my marines instead of kicking back and supervising. I've stood up for myself and others numerous times when our worthless chain of command try to push everyone, assuming they'll just take it and never speak for themselves knowing damn well their actions aren't justified. As I've said, many military members will always F with the new guy. I don't necessarily agree with it because the only thing accomplished by that is having co-workers who have no respect for you. I can't control what others do, but I guarantee any of the marines that worked with me will tell you good things because I worked right by their side and had them call me by name and not rank, since I don't think most military norms actually work. About a decade ago, I went looking for deer sheds in a new place here in northeast Oregon. I had a pretty good day and picked up a few buckhorns. As a chronic sufferer from next regitis, I was still a few miles from my truck as it was getting dark. I had stupidly left my headlight in the truck, so I knew it was going to be a long evening fumbling in the snow and deadfall timber. Right at dark, I heard a wolf howl in the bottom of the canyon, maybe three-quarter mile directly downhill big country. I thought to myself, well, that's pretty cool, then heard another respond a few hundred yards closer. I was really enjoying the experience until another responded 100 yard behind me in the pitch-black timber with a much deeper, gut-wrenching howl. After a moment of silence, the surrounding area ignited with howls in every which direction. No longer really enjoying the experience, I unstrapped a 4PT shed to protect myself and began the trek towards my truck, which was right in line with the source of the deep, commanding howl. So off I go, in the pitch black timber, in a remote area I had never been before, with nothing but a 60 FT shed to protect myself. Meanwhile, the wolves were communicating back and forth, until the Alpha would howl and shut them up momentarily with the eeriest howl you can imagine. This continues as I make my way through the woods, however every time the alpha would howl it was still 100 yards behind me. After this happens a few times, I get a solid idea of what is taking place It's following me. All I can do is keep hiking. After a while, I make it back to a trail and scoot pretty quickly back to my truck. Upon reviewing Google Earth later that night and identifying landmarks, I determined that the wolf stayed right behind me for two half miles as I fumbled my way in a V-shaped line back to my truck. The next day and subsequent weekends, I went back properly armed and counted at least ten wolves in that pack, and was able to identify the alpha based on his howl, a big old gray-colored one. I've had cats creep up on me at night, had my share of supernatural experiences none backcountry-related, thankfully. But nothing will make a guy feel more vulnerable than walking through the pitch-black woods without a headlight, without a sidearm, not really knowing where he's going pre-on X or GPS for me, and being followed by the Alpha Wolf. Needless to say, I now always carry a headlight, batteries, and some form of protection on me at all times. I go camping now and then and there's really nice lake out in the woods about 3-4 hours' walk east of Oslo, Norway. It's a popularish camping spot, so a friend and I are running out of firewood and it's pitch black. Bad planning plus whiskey drunk, so we grab our flashlights and head out to get some more bits and pieces to keep the fire going. Now the lake is large and dotted around the lake, we can see about 3-4 fires going. Other happy campers. One campsite in particular is rowdy. It's a good 200 meters across the lake, but we can hear them chanting and singing football songs and generally be obnoxious. It's about 2 a.m. now and we want to sleep. I can do this weird thing with my voice. I let all the air out of my lungs and then breathe in really fast and tighten my voice box. I can create this ungodly banshee and human scream that is loud and does not sound human. So I go for it. Within a second, the noise from other campsites stop and the fires are doused within 10 seconds. You could hear a pin drop all across the lake. Silence, sheer terrified silence. Even my campmate was freaked out he'd never heard me do it before. I'm from Victoria, Australia and an avid hiker and camper I feel most at home in the bush and in the mountains with my boys practicing bushcraft and survival. It's the best form of therapy. I have a deep respect for nature and believe we are not being told and taught what is really out there. My story goes back to the year 1998 when I was 18 at the time in Gippsland, Victoria. This was dairy country with beautiful rolling green hills. This night, I and my friend had gone to the town of Mo to spend some time at a nightclub. The club closed around 2 a.m., so we decided to head back to my hometown of Yarrigan, which is only about a 25-minute drive. As we got on the Princess Freeway to head back to home, the fog really set in. It was very thick. We had music playing and talking away about our night out, driving very slowly. Just before getting to the town of Trafalgar, There is the Trafalgar Cemetery, which is just outside of the town on the left side of the highway. As we came along the road and to a slight bend, which was to the left, all of a sudden something jumped into the middle of the road. The hairs on the back of my neck are standing up. This thing was huge, and I mean big. I've never seen anything like this in my life. We have no animals this big in Australia, so I've thought until this night. My friend Adam was driving. He slammed on his brakes. This creature was on all fours, but it wasn't. It was hard to describe. It just stopped and stared at us, and this thing is only 25 to 30 feet away from us in the open and heavy fog. It was covered in hair, longer on the forearms and the legs, gray to black, silvery in the headlights. The eyes were glowing red and big. The hands, feet, and arms were massive and very long, thick and muscular. It just sat there in a squat position. The head and face resembled a wolf, but the snout was shorter and more pushed in. The height of this thing to its head had to be at least five to six feet off the ground, and this thing is squatting, so try to picture this thing if it stood up. The shoulders had to have been three to four feet wide. It felt like a good minute of looking at each other, but it was probably closer to 10 to 15 seconds. My face was up against the windshield, trying to figure out what I'm looking at. My friend Adam burst into tears instantly from fear. Being cold outside, you can see this thing taking massive inhales and exhales, and the chest moving in and out. It moved in a way like it didn't know whether to attack or flee. It was terrifying to look at. Then, all of a sudden, Its body shifted to its left, and the amount of power it generated to leap itself off was the most impressive thing I have ever seen. For such a massive animal to spring itself off and bang, it was gone in one bound. This is on a three-lane highway. It was in the middle. It cleared the road in one leap. I don't know how long, but it felt like a long time in silence without him crying. A part of me didn't want it to leave. This hasn't stopped me from going into the wild remote bush solo. Well, about three years ago, I went out with a friend on his yacht off the coast of Newfoundland. It was around maybe two or three in the morning in early fall, so there was a bit of fog, nothing too serious. We were just going out for a late night cruise to relax and see if we could find any cool fish inverts, etc. near the surface. After an hour or so of uneventful yachting, we decided to call it a night and turn around. As we started heading back to shore, behind us we noticed a dim red light in the distant fog. We slowed down to watch it. It was slowly blinking, which stopped us from noticing that it was creeping towards us. We went inside to grab my friend's camera, and when we came back it's seriously closer and moving quicker too. We could now hear the hull groaning as if it was under pretty heavy tension. We took a picture with flash and the lights stopped blinking. The ship started to speed up so my friend got on the radio, not too familiar with how the system works. So fill in the blanks here experts and started trying to find a wavelength they were on so he could tell them to slow down and go around us. When we came out of the cabin, it was basically right upon us. Like less than 10 feet away, this huge, rusty ship with a red light on the nose. Next thing we know, it's hours later and we're waking up to sunrise. The yacht had been drifting freely for hours with the engines still off. Our cameras were gone, as was my cell phone my friend's was a shitty cameraless phone. We reported it to the police, but they laughed us off as two young guys who got too drunk and couldn't handle ourselves out there. We weren't drinking though, so we know something happened. I lived alone in an old house and had a creepy stay. Again, the house was old, a huge house built in 1915, and converted into apartments for World War I soldiers before they went overseas. I rented one apartment about 1,000 square feet by itself, and the rest of the house was empty rooms and a giant staircase. As soon as I moved in, I met the next-door neighbor, Rebecca, about 30 seconds into the conversation asked me if i knew the house was haunted i laughed it off but she insisted it wasn't safe wasn't worried moved in cleaned out a lot of junk and fixed the place up as well as i could over the next few months rebecca and i ran into each other here and there and each time she added to the story apparently there was an old lady who lived in the apartment before me who never left never opened the windows and never cleaned She died in the apartment, and there was an estate sale to get rid of some of her stuff. Rebecca told me during the estate sale she had gone into the basement and regretted it. About a week later, I decided to go check out the basement, I think partly to prove to myself I wasn't concerned. I was also curious. I'm not superstitious, and I don't believe in ghosts, but the occult is interesting to me. As soon as I stepped in the basement, I was creeped out. It smelled musty, but not like I have ever smelled before. Along the steps, there were burned-down candles that made bluish-gray wax puddles. The basement itself had two huge water heater tanks also covered in wax, and an empty concrete floor behind the tanks that had nasty-looking towels around and more candles. Bizarre, but not haunted. At this point, I've lived in the apartment by myself for about three months without any problem. My car got broken into one night, but that wasn't surprising given the neighborhood. Nothing strange had happened until the night I checked the basement. At 4 a.m. I bolted awake because I heard something in my room. This was odd for me because I sleep like a dead man. Sat in bed for a minute, heard nothing and went back to sleep. Around 6 a.m. I had a night terror. Heard the noise again and woke up, but this time had sleep paralysis. I saw a black figure walk in my room and stop just inside the doorway. At this point I think it's a robber and I start trying to ask what he wants, but I can't speak or move. Nothing like this had ever happened to me before and I was terrified. After the longest two, three minutes of my life, I willed myself out of sleep and the whole atmosphere changed. No one was there, nothing was out of place, no locks were broken, nothing. I quickly got ready and showed up at work two hours before it opened. Over the next few weeks, I would hear the sound again here and there. It was a scratching and thumping sound, always very early in the morning. As soon as I would wake up, it would stop. Then one morning, it was especially loud. Still dark outside, 5 a.m. I heard it just behind the headboard of my bed. This time, I made sure I was totally awake. I laid perfectly still and didn't even breathe, and I heard it again, now fully awake. There was definitely something in my room. After the sleep paralysis imaginary robber episode, I had bought a kid's baseball bat and set it next to my bed for self-defense, can't afford a gun. I picked up the bat and slid out of bed. Every minute or so I would hear the rusting, scratching, thumping noise. It was in my closet. I stood outside the door and my heart was pounding at this point. All the stories of the place being haunted, the creepy basement, the sleep paralysis episode, the weird early morning noises, all of it had built up in my mind and led to this moment. I was about to do battle with some evil force. I threw the door open and swung into the darkness, hitting nothing. I beat my clothes like a madman, but there was nothing in there. Then I heard a little scurry on the floor and saw something jump into one of my shoes, Upon closer inspection, it was a baby squirrel. I went outside later and found a hole in the roof. There was a family of squirrels living in my ceiling that was very active in the early morning, and one of the babies had somehow managed to find its way into my closet to scare the hell out of me. Not haunted, just squirrels. This happened around three years ago, and thinking about it still makes me feel uneasy. I live in a rural area surrounded by a nature conservation area. There are many nice paths, and it's a great peaceful and quiet place to go for walks, ride bikes. On this day, I decided to take my dog for a walk there in the evening. I didn't want to go that far. For some reason, I decided to leave my phone at home, even though I usually take it with me, just in case. Everything was going well, and as usual, I barely met anyone. At some point I got to my favorite spot, a wooded area. There is a field behind it, and I planned on walking all the way to the end. Then I wanted to turn around and take the same way home. As I continued walking after I made it through the wooded area, my dog started acting strange. She kept looking back and didn't want to go on. I thought she had spotted a deer or a rabbit and wasn't concerned. I didn't look around right away, but then she let out a little growl bark. I had never heard her do that before. I turn around, and sure enough, there is a man standing on the edge of the wooded area field like maybe ten meters next to the path. He was fully clothed and didn't move. He was just staring at us. My heart was pounding. No matter where I would go, I would still be in a secluded area for a while. I didn't think and just started walking quickly towards the end of the field. My dog still wasn't having it. When I turned around after getting a bit further away, he had also moved. Now he was standing on the field, still staring intensely. That's when I really knew we had to get going. I didn't look back until we got to the end of the field. Because of some trees, my view was obstructed. I couldn't see him and my dog seemed a bit calmer. Obviously, I didn't want to stop for more than a few seconds, though. From there on, I decided to take the the path that would take me to some part of my town the quickest. We literally ran, and I was so relieved when we made it back to civilization. I have no idea what his intention was. I'm just proud of my dog for alerting me. I work as a security guard on the graveyard shift. I think most guards have all gotten the heebie-jeebies a few times on this shift. I used to work at a large semi-well-known meat processing plant. I remember it was about 2 a.m. and I was making my inside rounds, and I was walking down the third floor hallway. The third floor is basically just a bunch of electrical access panels and storage rooms. There are a few offices up there, but for the most part, there's nothing special up there. So I'm going along checking that doorknobs are locked, etc. Making sure nothing looks broken, etc. Then my phone chimes. Am like who the F is messaging me this late. I pull out my phone and there's no message. I chalk it off as a notification for an app, but I don't see any notifications. Well, whatever, no big deal. Then about two minutes later, my radio turns on and I hear static. Now this spooks me. No one else has access to radio at this point. I'm the only living human on the entire property, and all the other radios are under lock and key inside my guard shack, also under lock and key. We wear a radio for formality mostly. I can switch it to a different channel to talk with the one maintenance guy who's there, but he's not working this night, so it's like, hmm, that's a little weird. I switch to that channel, and I say, security to M4, are you there? m4 equals maintenance employee four there's three different guys that do it on a rotating schedule but no reply i hear the radio turn on again this time it sounds like somebody is fumbling with the mic but i can't hear any words at this point in like well f guess i should go check it out i make my way to the maintenance office it's in the basement the one place i don't like to go because for one i always get weird feelings going down the stairs And two, the entire basement is just a bunch of access tunnels and generators. It's pretty much a maze just beckoning to get you to be lost in. So I go down there, the whole time my radio is randomly turning on and shit. I get to the office, and as expected it's locked, lights are off, etc. I breathe a sigh of relief and turn to go, thinking ill just write this down on the daily report as malfunctioning equipment. But as I start to almost walk around the turn in the hallway, I hear the sound of the maintenance door unlocking. I stop dead in my tracks and turn around. My heart is kind of beating harder at this point. I reach for my taze gun and ready it, aiming it out before me, while I go back to the office. Lights are still off. Can't see a damn thing in there. For a food five minutes, I stand at the door questioning if this is worth it. Do I make enough for this kind of BS? What if there's a criminal in there? How would that even be possible? Did someone sneak up on me? Am I going to die in a minute? I finally said effort it and pushed the door open and reached in and flipped on the lights. Nothing. No one is in there. I look under the desk. Constantly on edge. I see nothing. I look at the desk surface, see if there's any notes, etc. But nothing. I start to sigh of relief and then the lights suddenly turn off and the door locks itself. I freak the F out and switch on my mag light and swing around. As I'm swinging around I see a shadow move away from the light. My eyes see it and mentally I freak the F out, but I force myself to ignore it while I fumble to get my keys out to unlock the door. To do so I have to turn the flashlight off so I have both hands. The whole time I have my back turned to the door, I feel like I'm being watched by something sinister. I eventually get the door unlocked and step out into the hallway. I turn around, flip the lights on, see nothing, turn them off, shut the door, and lock it. I look at my watch. It's like 2.30 am-ish. I lean up against the hallway wall, breathing heavily, my mind replaying everything in my head. Trying to figure out what the F just happened, I eventually give up and hurriedly make my way back to the first floor. I get back to the first floor, and at this point I have no desire to go back to the third floor. I can do it some other time. So I eventually make it to the exit, and just before I walk out the door to go outside to my guard shack, the radio turns on, and there's some static, and I faintly hear someone laugh. Just a short like ha-ha, and then it's dead. I yank my radio out of my pocket clip and look at it. I go to turn on the mic to say like F you or something, but my radio is totally utterly dead. I live in North Texas near a large wildlife refuge and a lake bigger than my hometown. One night I had a fantastic idea to go down the long gravel road to the dock with a female friend of mine. I'm from Texas, so I usually carry, but opted to leave my gun locked in the glove box by the gate. About thirty yards into the trek, the road was about two hundred yards to the dock, I hear an unnerving noise on my left. It was as if the earth itself growled and rumbled at me. I looked around frantically, trying to pinpoint the sound. Nothing. We stood still, waiting for it to resume. Instead, we hear just heavy footsteps, not crashing or rustling like a bear or a pig does, but heavy pacing. I turn to my friend and ask if she wants to go back. She didn't know, but wanted to get out of there. So we keep on our journey to the dock with the unnatural growling, rumbling following us, coupled with the heavy paces. I'm terrified by this point, instinctively reaching for my right hip to find a blank space where a holster should be. I had left my pistol locked in the glove box. I grab my pocket knife and palm it aggressively. The rumbling continues, almost impacting the air with its weight. We hasten our pace and it matches ours, but never coming out of the woods to show itself. This continues for about 300 yards. The entire time I am absolutely terrified. I've been hunting and camping since I was six, and I've never heard a sound like this one, or even had an experience similar. Finally, arriving to the dock, She sprints out to the edge, and I grab a handful of rocks and go sit beside her. For the next 15 minutes, it circles the area around the dock landing, emanating the rumbles and growls. Nothing we can do, it's dark, I have no firearm, and we can't see it. I call my buddy Dennis, who lives five minutes away. The rumbling and pacing continues, roughly 30 to 40 yards away from us, but it doesn't step foot on the dock. Finally, I see headlights come up over the trees and the rumbling fades into darkness. Dennis comes walking down, cradling a rifle, and that was the end of that. Really freaked me out for a couple of months. I'm a believer in cryptozoology now. I don't know if Bigfoot exists, but something does that may be similar, especially considering most cultures have their monster.